Hello and welcome to City State Cast. I'm your host, Miguel Renene. Today we'll be discussing the phenomenon in political economy known as the resource curse. Very roughly stated, the resource curse is the phenomenon by which when a country has particularly valuable resources, particularly mineral wealth, that when they go about extracting and selling that wealth, a lot of countries end up becoming poorer for it. Now, the phenomenon works like this. Let's say you run a country, and that country happens to have a huge diamond reserve. You try and sell those diamonds on the international market. Countries try and come to you to buy the diamonds. And the way that they can buy those diamonds is by first getting your currency to be able to purchase the diamonds and then exporting them out of the country. Now, as they're buying more and more of your currency, the value of the currency goes up. So what was once of let's say 10 cents on the American dollar now is on par with the American dollar. That means that something that once cost 10 cents to sell to the Americans now costs a dollar to sell to the Americans. And suddenly, even though they might be wanting to buy your diamonds, the other products that they were buying for you are far more expensive and they're thus less likely to actually buy them. This means that even though you might be making money off of selling the diamonds, any other part of your economy that you might be trying to develop, let's say you're trying to put together a computer industry, a industry for making cars, hell, even an industry just to make steel more generally, those industries are suddenly less competitive on the international market. Now, this theory came to prominence in the 50s and 60s as a result of the Netherlands starting to extract and sell oil from the North Sea Reserves, and they noticed that a lot of their own industries were starting to get hurt as their currency started appreciating. And it should be said that not every country that has a lot of valuable resources has this same exact experience. A great example of a country that did not fall into the resource curse is Norway. Norway has access to the same large oil fields in the North Sea that uh, the Netherlands does. But instead of allowing the income generated from selling the uh, resources on the international market go directly into the economy, they put it into what's called a sovereign wealth fund that then goes about directing investments as it believes would be beneficial to the Norwegian economy. I wanted to discuss the resource curse today because of something that's been in the news lately, the ongoing political and economic crisis in Venezuela. Venezuela has become, in American political discourse, the archetypical example of a rich country that adopts socialist programs and suddenly collapses in on the weight of itself. This narrative is particularly beneficial to the American political establishment that has always been hostile to any concept of redistribution of wealth and, generally speaking, does not bear much resemblance to what has actually happened in Venezuela. The reality of the Venezuelan political and economic experience is rather similar in a lot of ways to other Latin American countries, but perhaps more pronounced, more extreme. Essentially, in 1830, when Venezuela became its own sovereign independent state, it was basically the most backwater of the backwaters of the Spanish colonial empire, which is to say that they did not really have much of an economy to speak of before independence. 
It has it was extremely reliant on agricultural exports, particularly around uh, the city of Caracas, and there was not much connecting Caracas to the rest of the country. So you when at when you achieved independence, Venezuela was really a city state with a particularly rebellious countryside. Once oil wealth started flowing into the country in the early 1900s, the Venezuelan government finally was able to start building roads and actually go about the effort of what we refer to today as nation building. The problem is that, as we've discussed a little bit earlier, the value of oil then drove up the value of the Venezuelan bolivar, meaning that it became more and more expensive to actually export anything besides the oil. This meant that the Venezuelan government became increasingly reliant on oil revenue to be able to go about its day-to-day -day functionality. This meant that by the time of the oil shocks in the 1970s, Venezuela had developed what's called a mono-economy. There was simply no other parts of the Venezuelan economy that were able to pick up the slack as prices fluctuated. This is particularly troubling because Venezuela had borrowed heavily against its oil reserve, and of course had not been able to pay it back. So in the 1980s, when the IMF did to say that the Venezuelans had to pay back their loans, they were not able to meet those standards without cutting heavily into domestic programs. The collapsing standards of living experienced by everyday Venezuelans led to a collapsing lack of faith in the existing political structure of Venezuela culminating with the election of Hugo Chavez in 1998 and the constitutional referendum in 1999. Chavez's election was a landmark moment for Venezuela for actually a number of reasons, the most significant of which are, one, he was aiming to re-enfranchise elements of Venezuelan society that had been functionally disenfranchised under the previous political system known as the Punto Fijo Pact, as well as the fact that he had effectively promised to stomp out corruption. This is a tall order for any government. Once a culture of corruption has its roots in any society, it is extremely difficult to get rid of. And as we saw with the Chavez regime and the later Maduro regime, they simply were not up to the task. Chavez and Maduro both proved unable to diversify the economy, falling victim to the same resource curse that had plagued previous Venezuelan governments. Unfortunately, this meant that the crisis that had began in the 1950s and 60s continued on into the 2000s and now into our current era, where uh, Maduro is facing a challenger from the bourgeois-backed uh, Guaido. We really can't say exactly how this is all going to turn out. However, it is safe to say that whatever happens next, it's not likely to be good. There is some literature regarding what to do when you are faced with the resource curse. And to be honest, they all amount basically to either developing a sovereign wealth fund, a la Norway, or effectively leaving it in the ground. Neither of these options are particularly appealing, especially when your citizenry is lacking basic uh, foodstuffs and consumer goods. So even were Guaido to take over from Maduro, it's unlikely that he would be able to break out from the resource course as well. This leaves Venezuela stuck between a rock and a hard place. That's all for today. 
If you want some more information, you can read my piece Crisis in Infinite Venezuela's at citystateblog.wordpress.com. I'm Miguel Yurene. Thank you for listening.